Support for Petri Dish is made possible by UT Health San Antonio, committed to transforming the health of the community through the team that tackles problems from every angle, doing everything it takes to bring each patient the best possible outcomes. From teaching tomorrow's healthcare leaders to translating research into new treatments, UT Health San Antonio strives to make lives better. Learn more at groundbreakingresearch.org. All right, you ready? Yep. TPR VPM News and Petri Dish producer Dan Katz is about to walk into a giant aluminum tube and close the door behind him. It looks sort of like someone turned an iron lung up on one end, and when you're inside it, only your head sticks out the top. So it's going to get progressively colder. That right there is Stephen Neville's owner of CryoFit Alon in San Antonio, a business that offers all kinds of services that claim to promote wellness. But it's only three minutes. From vitamin injections and IVs to an infrared sauna and the service that Dan is here for today, whole body cryotherapy. How cold is it right now? So right now it's about 55 below zero. It's going to get down to about 140, 150 below zero in that range. You can go ahead and turn to the right. Whole body cryotherapy is basically where we expose the body to extremely cold temperatures for a short amount of time, three minutes to be exact. We use liquid nitrogen to fill up a chamber. You stand in there for three minutes. We drop the temperature down to about 130, 140, sometimes slightly colder uh, below. How cold is it now? Now we're down to about 110 below zero. Still dropping. So why would Dan, or anyone, strip down to just shorts, booties, and mittens and expose themselves to temperatures colder than it's ever been in Antarctica for any amount of time? You're one minute in. You're a third of the way done. You got two minutes left. Proponents will tell you a frequent deep freeze will help you with depression, insomnia. One website claims it can prevent dementia and cancer. Neville's doesn't make those claims. He does say it's a great way to manage pain. Any kind of inflammation, soreness, joint issues, muscle pain, there's an endorphin release associated with, with it, so. It's these benefits that have athletes across the country lining up to cryo-freeze after big games. Most of the major sports franchises, at least in the NFL and probably the NBA, I know the San Antonio Spurs have a cryotherapy chamber at their facility, for example, and they have their guys doing it, I think, pre and post most of their practices. Um, we've had a number of people come through our locations. Uh, we've had some Spurs players. So it's, it's definitely something that's becoming more mainstream and more accepted in the athletic community. Um, especially at the professional, even at the university level. Exposure to extreme cold has become quite popular for those chasing a litany of health benefits up to and including lengthening their lives. They're dipping into tubs filled with ice and diving into frigid bodies of water. And yes, they're standing in metal tubes full of freezing nitrogen. About 135 below zero. It'll get a little bit colder. Almost but what does the science say? Let's find out. 
from Texas Public Radio, this is Petri Dish. I'm Bonnie Petri. That is the sound of the mighty St. Lawrence River, a thin blue thread that runs between the United States and Canada from Lake Ontario to the Atlantic Ocean. It creates a piece of the boundary between New York State and Ontario. And that's where I grew up, in a village called Alexandria Bay. And one thing river folks know is the St. Lawrence River is always cold. It's cold in July, and it's really cold in December, which is when more than a dozen people plunged into the river for the first annual Swim with Santa event. The water on this day was 43 degrees. Doug Tullock is one of the organizers of this fundraiser and a frequent St. Lawrence River cold water plunger. Yeah, I swim at my house almost every day. We usually start in the spring, and the water is always 40 or 42 degrees, and we end in the fall at Christmas time, and it's 40 or 42 degrees. If it's in the mid-50s, I will stay in the water. Once we hit below mid-50s, I don't want to get hypothermic. So I get in, swim around, and get back out. Why does he do it? It makes me feel better. I have a lot of hardware in my body and a lot of swelling from... Uh, nine spine surgeries. So for me, it reduces inflammation if I can stay in. But does it really? Does it do any of the things advocates say it does? Let's dive in, if you'll pardon the pun, and talk to a leading expert on the science of cold exposure in humans. My name is Francois Mann. I'm a full professor at the University of Ottawa at the Faculty of Health Sciences. It feels appropriate that our expert in this episode is from Canada, the Great White North. Canadians really know cold, and Francois Aman knows it more intimately than most. My PhD is in biology. I actually studied many different types of animals before switching to humans. And since 2000, I've been studying cold exposure in humans. I work a lot with the military. I work with First Nations in Northern Canada for about 20 years. I've been on the land many times and exposed myself to the cold in many different circumstances. Uh, I just spent a month in Finland in January with the military uh, during uh, Arctic operations. Okay, first, Dr. Raymond, let's talk about humans and cold in general. So it's kind of interesting with the cold because when you look at the type of stressors we can face, the most extreme one is a lack of oxygen, obviously. Like if I, if you go to high altitude and there's no oxygen, your chance of surviving for very long is are, are not very high. But cold is the second biggest stress. <laughs> Turns out humans aren't all that well equipped for cold. We basically evolved in tropical conditions. So we evolved and we only left uh, the savannah of Africa basically 200,000 years ago moving towards north areas of the world. And we were basically fully evolved to be able to survive in very warm conditions and wet conditions. And then we ended up in conditions of cold where we had no real adaptations. And even though some people are used to it a bit more, we're still not very good at surviving in the cold. So the only way we're able to do it is to work together to basically get the food that we need 
We also need to be able to build shelter, to make clothing. Um, and if we don't do these things, our chances of survival are actually very, very low. The idea that humans might naturally do better in warmer conditions sort of surprised me because the warmer it gets, the more miserable I get. Iman says he prefers colder weather himself, and some people do do better than others in colder climates. So essentially, the advantage with cold is we can always dress for it. So we can all we always have the option of adding layers to be able to protect ourselves. When it comes to the heat, once you're naked, there's not much you can do, and you can only sweat to a certain extent. So people that tend to be smaller, more stringy, tend to be more able to actually dissipate their body heat. In the cold, uh, it's actually the opposite, where people that tend to be stockier, more muscular, uh, just bigger in general, are more acclimatized to the cold and actually do way better, way better than they would do in the heat. But all humans tend to do well in warm temperatures that aren't too hot. And when it starts to get cold, the temperature doesn't have to drop very far before it begins to get dangerous. So essentially, there's two types of injuries that you can get in the cold. There's frostbites. Obviously, if you go into cold temperatures that are uh, below freezing and your skin is exposed long enough, it could actually freeze. So that's called the frostbite. So in most of the exposures that people are using, uh, you don't really get to these high intensity of cold that would result in frostbite. But the other in type of injury that you can get are called non, non-freezing cold injuries. And the non-freezing cold injuries is repeated exposure to the cold where your hand temperature will actually go below uh, 15 centigrade. So 59 degrees Fahrenheit. And if you expose yourself regularly to these temperatures, you can actually create damage that's going to be permanent. And you can have this at the feet, at your hands. And next time you're going to expose yourself to the cold, you'll actually be in a worse situation and the pain will be excruciating. Iman is describing a condition known as trench foot, which is caused by prolonged exposure to cold temperatures that are above freezing, but damp. Trench foot happened far too often to soldiers stuck in the trenches during World War I, which is how the condition got its name. But it can happen to anyone who is in cold, wet conditions for too long. So you need to protect your extremities when you go into cold water. Protect your feet, protect your hands. Extremely important to to maintain the temperature of your feet and hand as high as possible. And, of course, there is the risk of hypothermia, which happens when you are in the cold and your body begins to lose heat faster than it's producing it. When this happens, though your body fights to stay at a toasty 98.6, you can use up your body's stored energy, then your body temperature starts to drop. What happens then? Well, your brain doesn't really work anymore, and you might sort of lose track of the idea that you need to get somewhere warm fast, and if you don't, you could die. If you're in cold water, all of this happens much faster than it might otherwise, and then there is a phenomenon known as afterdrop, when chilled blood from your extremities flows back into your core. When I come out of the water, as my my periphery vasodilates, so my hands and feet start vasodilating, the cold blood just rushes in and your core temperature will keep dropping. So you can end up with having trouble making decisions. You can end up with trouble even walking. And this could put you definitely at risk. All of this is to say that cold exposure isn't something you should take lightly. 
If you're seeking the cold for health benefits, there are precautions you should take to make sure you're not putting your health at risk. So, how do you do it safely? And are the claimed benefits real? Well, in terms of science, it's always a, you know, a double-edged sword. We'll continue our cold plunge when Petri Dish continues. Support for Petri Dish is made possible by UT Health San Antonio, committed to transforming the health of the community through the team that tackles problems from every angle, doing everything it takes to bring each patient the best possible outcomes. From teaching tomorrow's healthcare leaders to translating research into new treatments, UT Health San Antonio strives to make lives better. Learn more at groundbreakingresearch.org. All right, today I'm taking the plunge as part of the Limitless with Center Challenge. So if you want to join me, find yourself an ice bath, and we're going to try and stay in for three minutes. It's Thor, Chris Hemsworth, about to get into a tub filled with ice and water for his National Geographic documentary show called Limitless. It's just one of many shows produced over the last year with celebs like Rain Wilson from The Office and Eugene Levy of Schitt's Creek plunging into frigid water in places like Norway, Iceland, and Finland to talk about potential benefits of shocking your body with colds. And if cold exposure is looking for a poster boy, podcaster Joe Rogan would be as good a candidate as any. Woo! And I know the benefits. The benefits for resilience, the benefits for my mind and for inflammation for my body. My body feels so good. I All my soreness that was generally just uh, a, an ordinary part of everyday life, a massive amount of that has been dissipated. And even though I don't have a TV show, I've done whole body cryotherapy several times and I really, really like it. So cold exposure seems to be having a moment. Yeah, these shows are all over social media and you're even on Netflix and you can see all the all these shows. Francois Eman has a PhD in biology and is an expert in cold exposure. The benefits are basically what people feel. People feel better. So I could be trying to break this apart and tell you that, you know, there's no benefits to it, but that's not true. I mean, the reality is people do feel better. So just like when people exercise, they do feel better. Or, you know, they could be dancing and they're going to feel better. Or they're going out on a social event and they feel better. They go to a concert and they feel better. So for some people, it's that ice water that makes them feel better. So this cannot be refuted in any way. So this is definitely something that is real. People have claimed feeling way better, having less issues with depression, having less issues with, with uh, even pain by going through this, this ice water. Has it been well documented scientifically? No, it hasn't. But the, re- the result is still the same, that these claims, even if they're anecdotal, are still real claims. We'll talk more about the science that does exist in a minute, but let's talk more about the physiology of the experience, which starts with something known as cold shock. So essentially, cold shock is two, there's two main things that's gonna happen. So initially, 
As soon as you hit that water, your nervous system will be highly stimulated and you will go for that deep breath. And the breath is about one, one liter to 1.5 liter, which is enough to drown you if your head is underwater. Once you stay in that water, you're going to get tremendous vasoconstriction at the periphery. When you get vasoconstriction, all the blood will rush in to the core and your blood pressure will start going up. So this is again a shock that will happen to your body where all the blood will be uh, rushed in. And your body has to get used to it very, very quickly. It doesn't have much time, especially the colder the water is, the less time you have to, to be able to face these very cold conditions. It would be like being hit by, uh, by lightning. Like you're getting hit in one shot and everything just goes boom towards the, the middle. And again, the strain on the cardiovascular system is tremendous. Uh, the other thing that you're going to feel as you go into ice water is the fact that we have different types of receptors, skin receptors for temperature, and we have some of them that operate above 15 degrees Celsius and some that operate below 15 degrees Celsius. So again, 59 degrees Fahrenheit. The ones that are above 15 degrees Celsius are to detect temperature. So what you feel is the cold. If you go below 15 degrees Celsius, what you feel is pain. So they're pain receptors. So they're called nauseous receptors and you actually feel pain. And what you're dealing with when you get the cold shock and it lasts about, again, that 30 seconds is dealing with tremendous amount of pain. Eventually, this can attenuate. It's this moment of cold shock, though, that can be dangerous. And here's why. The vagus nerve, the longest cranial nerve in the body, is an integral part of your autonomic nervous system. Now, if you are a regular Petri dish listener, you know that the autonomic nervous system runs the things we don't think about, like breathing. It also plays a key role in maintaining physiological homeostasis, which includes the reflex pathways that regulate cardiac function. So you get tremendous stimulation of the vagal nerve and the vagal nerve, actually from this stimulation, you could actually end up in cardiac arrest. So there's always a risk uh, of these events occurring. I, I work with special forces around the world and this is something that we're very careful about when people go into ice water to always have medics present to be, just in case and we keep a defibrillator close by. Most people that do this on a regular basis, uh, just socially, don't even worry about these these conditions and people show up without any type of screening and end up in that ice water and the risks are just tremendous. So this is something that could definitely uh, occur. But if you get through cold shock without drowning or, you know, having a heart attack, you start to experience one of the things that regular plungers appreciate. So one thing that cold does and allows you to do, and this is something that we do in the workshops that we provide uh, to the military around the world is you can actually use it to train stress response. And one thing you learn to do through that cold shock is to regain control. So we talk about regaining control and you regain control through, uh, through breath. So maintaining your breath, making sure that you don't hyperventilate and that you're able to calm down your nervous system by breathing in a very controlled way. Over time, this is a skill you can build on and theoretically, like Joe Rogan mentioned a minute ago, it could promote a type of resilience. But the science on all of this is scant. 
we don't have the research backing to say what does it do to the uh, the inflammatory system what does it do to the immune system uh, how does it affect your metabolism all these things are just not clear one thing that cold does that we all agree upon is that it's a very big stimulant so cold can actually stimulate you and actually make you feel good and it does release dopamine so the more intense the cold the more you will tend to basically release uh, dopamine and get kind of that little rush to make you feel really good what about inflammation so cold is anti-inflammatory by nature so cold will reduce inflammation so if you ever get hurt you're going to put ice on it and what it does it basically put brings the fluids away and re- reduces the inflammation in that zone which is it relieves pressure and it relieves pain so cold will do that in, in general whether it does it at the whole body level and can actually reduce pain again we don't know but people claim and these claims are real that it's actually helping them there is a ton of anecdotal evidence to support cold exposure being good for your health and a paper here and a paper there and the people who do it swear by it so why isn't there more research out there either supporting or refuting these claims? Well, in terms of science, it's always a, you know, a double-edged sword. Is the, you need to get the funding for it. So there needs to be the interest to even study these things. So I started a whole research program. I'm doing it with the Dutch military, the Dutch Special Forces, Canadian Special Forces. And we're trying to kind of bring some science about cold therapy uh, to the forefront and trying to put data uh, on some of the claims being made. And then, even if you get the money to pay for your study... You also need to be able to convince people to go into the cold. So there's always the challenge of having participants that will be willing to do cold exposure. So even though it looks obvious, most people will not participate to these, to these cold studies. And the people that do are already people that enjoy it. So it's very hard to get your control group. It's very hard to work with people that have, that have less interest. So it's difficult to pin down whether this type of regular practice will add years to your life or just life to your years, which would be a pretty good benefit all by itself. But do you know who does it anyway? Dr. Aman? For me, it's the same as exercise. It would be the same as eating well. It would be the same as taking time to relax. If it's something that makes you feel good, can you lengthen your life? Yes. Is it all biological? Probably not. I think it might be a combination of many things. If it makes you enjoy life and it makes you calmer and you feel better. So yes, of course, it could lengthen your life. And by the way, heat exposure in Finland has been well studied uh, because of the sauna and it's well known to improve the cardiovascular system where cold that's never been shown. So now the other question is, should you do contrasting baths? And I think this is this is what I do. I go for contrasting. Uh, so I get the benefits of heat and I get the benefits of cold. And I try to do it in a balanced way where I don't go to these extremes and I try not to injure myself. Iman protects his hands and feet. What I do for cold water immersion is I use five millimeter uh, gloves. So basically they're diving gloves, wet gloves. And I use five millimeter uh, boots and uh, This allows me just to protect my feet enough that I can go ice dipping three to four times a week without any type of risk. And I just keep my hands warm. And as soon as I'm out of the water, I rewarm my hands and feet immediately. 
What about my boss Dan's favorite cold exposure activity, whole body cryotherapy? Well, Iman is a bit of a cold water snob. The whole concept of needing to go to that extreme so quickly for me, it's a very North American way of looking at things where everything has to be rushed. You know, I spent a month in Finland and the Finns did everything. It was a ceremony. Like we went into the sauna and we would do it every single night on, on, on base. And we would do just a snow, snow bathing afterwards just to cool down and we'd go back to the sauna. And it, it basically became a bit of a temple and it became a bit of a very quiet place and very healing place. But if you don't have time on a regular basis for the ritual of cold plunges or ice baths, or even if you don't feel like getting wet, cryotherapy might be a decent substitute. The physiological benefits, the biological benefits have not been well documented, but people seem to feel better. So if people feel better, there's still benefits. So one of the things is within these clinics, they would actually provide safety for hands and feet and protect anything that might be damaged. And again, this is something that could be highly beneficial. And what if you live in a place like San Antonio where you don't have access to a frigid body of water in which to plunge and you don't have the disposable income that allows you to go to do something like whole body cryotherapy, which is not cheap? Well, take a cold shower. And initially you do get that cold shock. So as the cold water hits you, you will take a deep breath. So again, what you learn to do is to control through this. Even though you're not in ice water, you're still doing the same process. So you're still able to control. And it's a much, if, if you want, it's not as extreme as going into ice water. And you still get similar responses. You're going to get a very high stimulation. It might be anti-inflammatory. It might help you for other types of ways. And I always feel better once I get out of, uh, out of the heat to actually get into the cold shower to then continue my day not being hot, but actually being cool and feeling much better. So for me, I do think the cold shower has a lot of benefits. It's much faster to do. You don't have to worry about putting ice in a tub. And I think the benefits, the advantage is you can do it regularly. And that, like with most things, is the key to achieving benefits, whether physiological or psychological. Consistent practice. Thank you, Dr. Francois Iman. This episode of Petri Dish was written by me and produced by TPR VP of News, Dan Katz and Jacob Rosati. Jacob Rosati also composed all the music and created the sound design on this show. A very special thank you to Heather Perro for her reporting at the Santa Plunge in Alexandria Bay, New York. Petri Dish is a production of Texas Public Radio. I'm Bonnie Petrie. Talk to you soon.